Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We've been talking about love keeps no records of wrongs, and I know I had told you this when we first started learning about this, but it is so, it's probably the most important thing besides receiving Jesus into our hearts that we can learn. Truly, truly. I mean, if I, I know I said last time, if I could just teach maybe five things for the rest of my life, this would be in the top five. It might even be number one because it is so life-changing. It is so metamorphosizing for our lives. And um, it completely changed my life in realizing that God didn't just say in 1 Corinthians when he's describing love, he didn't just say love forgives. He says love keeps no records. And so... Last Sunday, we laughed a lot about how many records we have and how most of us have files and files of, of things that we've kept as records that people have done to us or our children or our husband or someone in our family. And we say that we've forgiven them, but we can pull the file out and the file number and open the file and read it just about any time we want. We can read it to someone else. Or we may even have pride that we don't show our files to anyone else, but we still have them. <laughs> And God says that we're not to have any record of wrongs, that love keeps no records whatsoever. And so we need to do as God does. If you look at the second page of your handout, God shows us that he chooses not to remember when we have asked for forgiveness and we're covered by the blood of Jesus. He remembers our sins no more. And we talked about how in the Old Testament twice and in the New Testament, God specifically says that he will remember not our sins. He will remember our sins no more. And for some of us, that was the first time we'd ever heard that. We didn't know that God said that he would not remember our sins. Sometimes people feel like God loves them, but we're sort of the black sheep of the family. Do you ever feel like the black sheep of the Christian family? And a lot of people walk around feeling that way, like, well, you know, here's the lambs and I'm kind of the black sheep. It's like last Sunday when we were supposed to have lambs and we had goats. Did you all hear about that? We had this whole shepherd theme going and they were supposed to take these pictures of Chuck as the good shepherd. And we had these sweet little white lambs. And, well, the lambs were uh, appointed somewhere else and our church got black goats with horns. So, and sometimes we feel that way, like in God's sheepfold. You know, here's all the white little lambs, and we're kind of, it's almost like God goes, well, all right, come on in, you know. Or, yeah, you're covered by the blood, or, yeah, this one did ask for forgiveness. But he doesn't feel that way about us, because when he looks down on us, he sees us as God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. We are his righteousness. We are cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus And his mercies are new every morning. And one of the biggest and greatest reasons we can believe in that, that it says in Lamentations 3.21, is that God tells us he remembers our sins no more. He is not keeping score. Wow. He's not? He is not. He tells us. I'll read just a few just so we can launch this next part of our lesson. Hebrews 8:12. I'll read the ones in the New Testament. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their inequities I will remember no more. Hebrews 10:17 and their sins and inequities I will remember no more. And so we need to look at this and realize as we look down at this scripture that I included in Ephesians 5:1 and 2, it tells us that we are to be imitators of God. You know, most of us realize that one of our greatest 
tasks on this earth, one of our greatest joys, and the only way that we're going to make the kind of difference that Jesus made on this earth, who only had a ministry for three years. Jesus had such a short ministry for three years, and he changed the entire world forever. I mean, changed eternity forever. And if we even are going to make an inkling of that kind of a difference, we need to be imitators of God, just as Jesus was an imitator of God. And we see here one of the things God says is he keeps no records. So if we keep that in mind and read Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This is saying here so many things that we could just go off on. Oh, I say that every Sunday, don't I? <laughs> I get so excited. I could take one scripture and go nuts, and we would never, you know, leave the room until dinner or something. We could call food in and stuff. This is an amazingly exciting scripture, but basically it's saying do as God does, think as God thinks, talk as God talks. How are we going to do that? You know, we need to be speaking the scriptures. We need to be thinking. We need to let God's word renew our minds, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Romans 12:2, metamorphosizing our minds. But the way that we walk in love, how many of you have heard the term walk in love? And, you know, I even kind of thought that was something as Christians that we sort of made up, like walk in love. Well, I'm trying to walk in love, or it's my Christian walk. We didn't. It came from the Bible because it says, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Walk in love. The way that we do that is to imitate God. And the only way that we can fully walk in love is to do all of these things through the help of the Holy Spirit, God, please help us because we need it. That we've been studying, love is not proud, it is not boastful, all of these things. But I think, personally, the hugest one, the hugest one is to keep no records of wrongs. I believe that. I went on a walk this morning and I was just kind of walking along and um, I stepped through my tennis shoes on just kind of a medium-sized rock and as I was just praying and thinking about, you know, who knows what I was thinking about, but just kind of walking along, I thought about the fact that if that rock had been in my shoe, it would have affected the way that I walked. Have any of you ever had a rock in your shoe and you just didn't have time to take it out? Or little kids do that. They'll have one in their shoe all day. And at the end of the day, they'll go, oh, and they dump out their shoe and there's just rocks and gravel and that is exactly what we have in our Christian walk. When we don't forgive someone, it's like having a rock in our shoe. At first, we can walk on it. It's not that big of a deal. It's not very comfortable, but we can walk. And then after a while, it makes us sore. And then after a while, we may walk with the limp, but we're used to it. We compensate for it. And then we get a blister or a bursa, but then our body calluses where that rock was and we're used to it and then when you remove the rock it feels strange it almost feels like wait put the rock back in I'm not used to walking without the rock in our Christian walk we need to be willing to remove all of those things that would cause us to walk with a limp all of those things that would cause us not to be able to walk 
is God would have us walk in his love. And the main thing, I believe, is keeping records of wrongs. Keeping records. Um, Collecting debts is the same thing as keeping records, and it really leads to a terrible life attitude. And I know that some of you know people that have that life attitude of, of the world owes me, or you owe me, everyone owes me. And maybe something very tragic or very sad has happened in their life, but they develop an attitude because of these records that they've kept that the world owes them, and it affects every area of their life. And that's because they've collected debts. And that is not the free and full life that God has for us. God tells us in John 10.10 that he came that we might have life and life abundant. And it is not abundant life to have lots of records and to have that attitude. It affects every relationship that you have. And it repels people. Are you repelled from someone who has an attitude of everyone owes me, you owe me? They're not givers. They're takers. And they make people actually um, reject, them, reject them out of their own rejection. And that's not God's best for us. Forgiveness is God's greatest demonstration of love. I'm on the bottom of page two of your handout. This is just a little question for us to ask ourselves. Do you ever tell someone that you love them and mean it, but also have a mental list tucked away of all they've ever done wrong, said wrong? <laughs> every way that they've ever let you down or done something against you? Have you ever done that? Are you currently doing that? This is a holy class. People are looking at me like, this has been taken care of in my life. I'm praying for my neighbor. I have no need for this lesson. But we do do that. I'm interceding right now. We do do that, though. We truly do that. We really honestly say, I love you to someone in our hearts, but we have records and lists of things that they've done wrong. And, and we can't understand why we can't forgive people. You know, sometimes we've been crying to God, God, you know, I just want to forgive so-and-so. I've asked so many times, please help me. Give me the grace to forgive them. And it's almost impossible to forgive someone if we've got all these records. Because then we can go review the records anytime. We need to ask God to help us let go of the records. And we're going to talk about that. There was the most incredible example I have of, of a, a dear friend of mine who, her, her um, children are grown and married. And she was on a trip with her husband. And um, they were just talking like, um, just, I mean, probably one-on-one for the first time in a long time. And they were on a car trip. And she turned to her husband and she said, um, you know, I need to ask your forgiveness. And um, because there have been times when our kids were growing up that I really spoke against you to them. And I think it's affected your relationship with them. And I need to ask your forgiveness for that. And what do you think that he said? Do you want to know what I would have said? I would have said what did you say what did you say what do you mean when what did they say what did I say what happened then what did you say then what did and I would have tried to sort of get all of it out and then sum it all up and you know it's like God and I joke about that I don't know why but in my prayer time God calls that sorting the laundry 
Because a lot of times I'm like talking to God and I'm like, and then they said it, I said it, and God's like, just quit sorting the laundry and just hand me the whole load. Because I am such a laundry sorter. Even in my own house, I'm like white, off-white, less than white, you know, and I have everything all, you know, I'm kind of a nightmare, I'm sure, for someone to help me. Because by nature, I'm a laundry sorter. But God doesn't want us to do that. And you know what that man said to his wife? This is a true story. And you know why she told me? She told me because she was in shock. He said, you're forgiven. She sat there in the car, waiting. He changed the subject to something happy. They had a wonderful trip. He never asked. She was forgiven. What would happen to our world? If we all did that, and how wise, knowingly or unknowingly, that man was, because he has no records to review, how easy it is to forgive when we don't ask to see the records. But so often we go, oh, yeah, 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 you know, I'm going to forgive, I think, but um, I'm just going to review the file for a minute. Could you explain the file? And God doesn't want us to do that because it's detrimental for us. Forgiveness is God's greatest demonstration of love. Love equals forgiveness. And without forgiveness, God's kind of love is not present. And I wrote that because we can have our brand of love present without forgiveness. And it's kind of a you owe me brand of love. It's kind of a I love you, but I'm never going to forget it kind of love. It's kind of a your brand of love, a person's brand of love, but God's brand of love says you're brand new, you're accepted, you're received. God's brand of love is the prodigal son. Nowhere did the father sit the son down and go, okay, now just tell me everything that you did against me and against our name and against our estate. He was forgiven, completely and wholly forgiven. And that's what I'm coming to a place in my life, and I hope that you will too, that you'll see that it's going to be so much easier to forgive When, A, we ask for God to help us to get rid of those records, to get rid of those remembrances. And then, B, when we have the choice of knowing or not knowing, we choose not to know. We choose not to know. Let's look at the rest of the golden rule. If we look on the top of page 3, so often we know the golden rule, we read the golden rule. But let's look at the whole thing because I think it's going to change our perspective of what God is really saying there. Would someone read that out loud? And I may come stand by you so this mic will pick up for when people order tapes. Would someone read Luke 6, 31 through 38? Okay. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay. We, we so often do quote, do unto others as they as you would have them do to you. And we don't look at the rest of those scriptures that talk about loving your enemies. The whole point of the golden rule is doing to others as we would have them do unto us and loving our enemies, forgiving them, not judging them. Doing to them is how we would want to be treated. Just like we read at the parable that Jesus talked about with the man who was so forgiven by his master, but he went out and the servant that owed him what was it, a hundred denarii, he threw into jail. And that is the example that Jesus is saying is that we so want God to forgive us and cleanse us. We want God to keep no records of wrongs, but we need to do unto others in that same manner. Christians sometimes are the last to forgive. I can't remember if I've ever told this um, joke in here before, but I wanted to um, today because I think it's such a good example. And if you all have already heard it, you can laugh heartier. Um, there was a Christian who was running away from a lion. Did I tell you all that joke? And this Christian was running and running and running, and this ravenous lion was running after him. And this lion was just looking at this Christian and thinking, this is going to be just good meat right here. And the Christian was praying. And um, so he stopped and prayed, and he hid behind a tree, and he said, Oh, Lord, please make this lion a Christian. And the Lord answered his prayer. And as he looked around the tree, he saw that the lion had dropped to its knees. And it folded its little paws, large paws, I guess, in prayer and bowed its large head and said, Oh, thank you, Lord, for this meal of which I'm about to partake. (laughs) And you know, so often that's the way we do as Christians. That's the way we do in the sense of, we sometimes are the last to forgive. We sometimes are the first to bite into someone else. We sometimes will pray in judgment of someone instead of being the ones that are the forgiving ones. And I think it's, it's sad. I think it really grieves the heart of God when those that don't even know God have a better way of loving the world than those of us who have received Jesus Christ and are his representatives on this earth. We're his representatives. We are his mouth and his hands and his feet. And I think that grieves the heart of God. Sometimes we're the last to forgive, and then sometimes we need to recognize the truth, and that is that that we somehow, for some reason, in some way, enjoy still hurting. I remember when Maddie was a little girl and she fell um, outside in the backyard. And Maddie's so dramatic anyway. (laughs) But she fell outside in the backyard and um, she scraped her knee. And, you know, children, they have kind of an allotted time to cry with parents unless they're really hurt. And then you know when they shouldn't keep crying. And she went past her allotted time to cry. And she kept crying and crying and crying. And I remember finally Lacey said, Honey, it doesn't hurt anymore, okay? Stop crying. And she's like, I don't want to. And he said, please stop crying. It's okay. It's just a tiny little, tiny little scrape. You're going to be fine. She goes, I'm not through hurting yet. (laughs) 
And she just was kind of basking in the hurt, you know. And we need to be honest with God that sometimes when someone has done something to us, it can be 20 years ago, but we need to be able to be honest to say, God, you know what? I think I'm actually basking in this hurt, and I need your help so that I can put this away forever. And we need to be honest with God about that. Forgiveness brings life, but unforgiveness brings death. This is why we need to be so serious about forgiveness. Because it's not just a rock in your shoe, like we talked about earlier. It's much, much, much greater. Forgiveness brings life, but unforgiveness keeps us in death. Romans 8.2 says, Through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And 1 John 3.14 says, We know... That we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. You know, God gave us the choice. He said for us to choose life or death, blessings or curses, that we and our children might live. And he tells us to choose life. And life is in Jesus. And life is in obeying the word. That's always life. The way of life, Zoe life, the God kind of life, Zoe in the Greek meaning full life. But unforgiveness against God's word, against God's wishes, holding that bitterness in is choosing death. You know, death of maybe your joy, death of a relationship, death of your creativity. You know, you think that I'm being silly about that, but if you're just focused on disliking someone, Watch your creativity go out the door. Watch your thinking pattern go out the door. Death of your other relationships. It can cause death physically in your body. And there's even scientific proof about that now. And so we need to be serious about forgiveness so that we can be free. I'm going to look at a few excuses for unforgiveness in keeping records of wrongs because I think these really apply to us. And then I can't remember if I put this in the handout, but I want to talk at some point about how to forget, because that is something, you know, sometimes when you stand up and you talk about don't remember, choose not to remember, then people say, okay, well, how? And so I don't know everything. Matter of fact, I don't know all too much. And sometimes probably I don't know very much at all. (laughs) Looking at my husband. But... One of the things that God has really helped me with is how to forget. And I'm not seeing that on the handout because I can't remember what I typed on here. So I want to just share. I'm going to interrupt right here and share that. One of the ways that that we forget, one of the ways that God has shown me in areas that were huge areas that I needed to forgive, huge. Because sometimes when we hear someone talking about forgiveness, the first thing that comes to our mind is, well, you don't know what it is that I have to forgive. If you knew, you wouldn't be saying that. No, I would still be saying that because I'm not saying that. The Word is saying that. If I was saying it, I'd probably back down and go, you're right, that's too huge, I'm sorry. But the Word is saying that. And when I was working with um, young people that were in a permanent living facility, they'd been taken out of their homes by the state of Texas. Um, One of the girls had been extremely, extremely um, abused, um, both sexually and satanically. And her parents were in the penitentiary. 
And I was talking to them, doing a Bible study, and we got to the point of talking about Christ's forgiveness, and she had received Jesus as her Savior. She was 11. And we talked about needing to forgive others. Well, if it's up to me, I would have skipped that part. Wouldn't you? I mean, I would have skipped that part because I would have said, God, that's just too hard. That's just too hard to look at an 11-year-old who has no parents, who has no example of love consistently in her life, who has no future and hope without and apart from you. And to tell her, hey, forgive and forget. That's just too hard. But see, it wasn't up to me. And that's when we get in trouble. It's when we compromise the word to fit the situation or the person because it looks impossible. But Luke one thirty seven says all things are possible with God. And that's why if we don't compromise the word, that's when we see the miracles. And so I went up there and, and started teaching this in total weakness because I was thinking this is not good. <laughs> and just explaining and showing her and showing the group and the word about forgiveness. And in the circle, I'll never forget this, we were sitting around with all these different young women of different colors and sizes and backgrounds that were worse than I would ever want to share and have actually purposely forgotten. And she said, um, I, 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 I don't know how to forgive my mother. And I just remember saying, please, I'll just pray for you, you know. But that's what the Bible said. And she kind of walked back to her cabin, and we didn't say anything else. Well, the next week we had the meeting, um, this little Bible study meeting, and she came bounding into the circle. And she said, guess what? Just like 11-year-olds say, because, you know, 11-year-olds, they splurt out everything in front of the whole group. You know, there's no subtlety like, come here, I'd like to have a word. 11-year-olds are like, yeah! And so she walked in the circle and she said, Kathleen, guess what? And I said, what? She goes, I forgave my mother and father. I forgave them. And I said, you did? She goes, I did. She said, you know how you said the Bible said I had to forgive? And I go, yeah. She goes, well, I got in my bunk and nobody else was in the room. And I'm on the top bunk and there's eight other girls and nobody was there. And I just prayed and I said, Jesus, I see where you tell me to do something, but I can't do it. So make me be able to do it. And she said it was so weird because this person in white, he like appeared to me. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah. And he had these big scars on his hands. And he raised his hands and he said, you have the ability to forgive your mother and and, and I'm going to erase the scars on your body, but I'm going to keep some in your mind so you won't do that to your kids if I have kids. Isn't that weird? I think that was Jesus. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I told her, I mean, I am dumbfounded. I am sitting there and all the other girls are looking around and all I can do is say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. All things are possible. And here's an 11-year-old. Here's an 11-year-old with scars on her body and in her heart and in her mind and in her dreams and on her future and in her past who could forgive because she said yes to the word. And it's like from then on, it was like, no, I'm not giving myself or anyone else an excuse because God makes things possible. God's the one. In my own life, um, one, of the, one of the things that God has, has been teaching me is how not to remember. Because some of us have memories like steel traps. Some of us remember better than others to the point of nausea, to the point of where 
the other person, you know, I think it's almost a, a blessing if you're the kind of person who really doesn't remember. Because if you're the kind of person that does remember, oh my gosh, you can recall conversations from, you know, five or six or seven or maybe nine or ten hairstyles back. No problem. The whole thing, beginning to end. But you know, if, if we think about the ways that we're taught to remember and reverse them, it'll help us. In school, if I want you to remember something and you've got a big exam and I'm the teacher and I've taught you information, you've got books, you've got handouts, you've got a huge exam, say it's your college finals, what are you going to do to remember that material? Just tell me. What are you going to do? Look at your notes. What else? Review and review and review. What about saying it out loud? Repeating it. Saying it out loud. Thinking about it before you go to sleep. Did ever, any of you ever put your notes under your pillow and think, oh, osmosis. <laughs> Y'all didn't do that. I did all sorts of stuff like that in college. And, and I mean, I mean, you know, I was so, oh, geography, even to this day. So I had to make up rhymes about, you know, where things were. I had this whole rhyme about where all the countries were because that's just not my natural inclination unless I can tell you every store, like if even a mall I've never been in, I can find my way around the entire mall. But if I'm in a city and you give me a map and you say go from point A to point B, I will like hyperventilate because that's just not my strength. So in geography, I had rhymes to remember. Well, if we're trying to not remember something that we need to forgive that's covered by the blood of Jesus, we need to not review it. We need to not repeat it. That means to another person, even though it feels really good, because we like to have someone go, oh, you poor thing. Or we like to have someone, if we're a man, go, oh, he's a jerk. Let me tell you another story. We like that. But if we want to forget it, we need to not review it. We need to not repeat it. We need to not write it down. We need to burn our files. We need to do all the things that we would do the opposite of if we were going to try to remember. We need to do the opposite of. But the main thing we need to do is to say, Lord, cleanse me, cleanse my heart, cleanse my thoughts. God, you know, don't let me be a victim forever. Don't let me be rejected feeling for the rest of my life just because that happened to me when I was younger. Please, God, make me who you want me to be. Don't let me be caught in this spiral of death when you say that you come that I might have life and life abundant, that I might live in freedom. Help me to dump the gravel out of my shoes. We need His grace. And you know, all of us are different. There's no code. There's no pattern. There's nothing that I can give you and go point A, B, C, D. Outlines are just for help. But God's so creative. He appeared to an 11-year-old in a bunk. He's so creative. He'll talk to you however He wants to, to get his word to work in your life. Nothing is impossible. But when we say yes to Jesus, oh my gosh, watch out for the blessings that come. Watch out. Um, 
Father, we just thank you so much for your word that's alive and sharper and powerful than to any two-edged sword, Lord. We thank you that it cuts through the joint and the marrow to get to the heart of a man. Father, we thank you that, that we can be here exposed to you and that you love us, you have mercy and goodness, that you desire for our lives to be full of your grace and your joy, that we be free from the past, that we be free from the things that, that the enemy would love to just bring us down and bring us oppression and oppression. And we just say no in Jesus' name, that we choose life and life abundant. Father, I pray over each person in this room that they would have the knowing that all things are possible to him who believes. That they would want every single particle of, of non-forgiveness or of records gone out of their lives. That they would want to walk free of um, past memories or hurts in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray for your grace to pour over your over this class. We pray for your mercy and your love, Father, and that you would speak to us in the language that we can hear. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to the hearts of those that maybe have never heard you. I ask that you would come and just invade our space, Lord, and help us to just feel and recognize your changes within our hearts. Father, I pray for relationships in this room that that maybe strife has come in or lack of communication, maybe just small pebbles. And we just ask that you remove those now in Jesus' name and forgive us for our pride or our demanding our own way. Father, we pray for relationships where there's a boulder, a wall, as tall as any wall in between us and another person. And Father, we just ask that your word would just tear down that wall and that we would have unity and peace. Lord Jesus, more than anything, we desire to have hearts filled with peace and a life that glorifies you. Father, we know that life is not a dress rehearsal. And we just ask that we would live every day to its fullest. Not because of our own strength or our own abilities or even our own knowledge or wisdom, but because of your precious Son and his blood and his forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.